past three decades, there has been a shift in dry areas, from integrated crop livestock production to intensive cropping, which can significantly reduce the resilience of farms. Intensive cropping is prone to herbicide-resistant weeds, large nitrogen fertiliser requirements and major financial shocks from frost, drought or low grain prices. So what can be done to boost profits and reduce risks in mixed farms? Well, in this episode of The Yarn, we explore the benefits dryland legume pastures offer to mixed livestock and cropping systems in areas of low to medium rainfall. You're listening to The Yarn, the number one wool industry podcast. I'm Ellie Bigwood. An $18 million five-year project led by GRDC and supported by Department of Agriculture, Water and the Environment, MLA and AWI, is working with Murdoch University, SARDI, CSIRO, DPIRD, New South Wales DPI and Charles Sturt University to develop novel pasture legumes, which are designed to be grown, harvested and reseeded on property and promote their adoption on over 1 million hectares in the low to medium rainfall areas of WA, SA, Victoria and southern New South Wales. Rob Harrison is a research officer at Murdoch University for the Centre for Rhizobium Studies, who joins us on the yarn today to talk about these exciting pasture legume species and what the research is setting out to achieve for wool growers. Yeah, so we identified, in, in especially in WA, that there's a bit of a gap with pasture legumes on the eastern wheat belt. Majority of the soils on the eastern wheat belt here are, are fine textured alkaline sort of soils. So we've sort of been kicking some goals in the area of acid soils for the things like Biocerula, Cerradella, and um, obviously they're complementing the subclover in the system. Um, so we've looked at the medics and there's been a lot of complaints about the medics that they're underperforming for a multifaceted lot of issues. So we've decided to go and um, yeah, select pasture legumes that will complement the medics in the eastern wheat belt of WA and that's been sort of written into a national project that includes the South Australians and New South Wales as well. So on top of that we're looking at bladder clovers, uh, scorpiurus which is new, a new species along with trigonella um, and they're, they're probably the top candidates to, to get into this area. In the project I suppose a key part of it is you're looking at the benefits that they can offer to a livestock system but also part of a cropping system as well. Can you speak to some of the legumes involved so far to benefit each system? Yeah, so look, we've got to have a selection criteria with with key characteristics and they've got to be header harvestable. So medics and, and say something like subclover where they bury their seed below ground, the way that they're harvested is very destructive to the soil. So we're looking at things that produce their seed above ground and, and actually have pod retention. So then we can go through with the harvester and, and farmers can then produce their own seed, which is a huge adoption barrier to overcome in these farming systems. Another thing is is, is deep rooting and can handle the subsoil constraints like um, boron toxicity and, and that sort of things, along with insect tolerance as well. So they've got to be pretty good in those areas to be able to be robust in the livestock system and then they've got to be able to regenerate after a cropping phase as well so we've got everything thrown at us but we're confident that we've got the species to be able to um, you know handle the mixed farming system. What species are we looking at? So yeah bladder clovers um, there's there's only one cultivar of bladder clover and that's Bartolo so that's about 110 days to flowering 
around about that anyway. So we're trying to bring the flowering time a lot lower uh, than Bartolo, so into the 90s. And so we've got a, a brand new one that's that looks like it's a bit of a hay type as well. So it just goes along with each other. And um, there's a lot of fodder conservation that's been identified as, as a bit of a key to the future of farming in the eastern wheat belt as well. So this will fit in beautifully. Uh, Trigonella balanza, which is from the same family as fenugreek. Um, so it's got a curry smell to it. Very exciting plant because it does produce its seed above ground, complements the medic system beautifully. Yeah, it produces a lot of seed and a lot of small seeds so that the seeds do pass through the ruminant without losing its viability. And there's another one that will hopefully get there, and that's called Scorpius, or common name Scorpion's Tail. And that's got a very unique rhizobia as well, and that's probably what's holding it back at the moment. We probably need to find better, a better symbiosis for it. There are 25 trial sites across Australia. How have the trials been performing? Are you seeing some really promising results? Yeah, the project is um, medium to low rainfall, so we have been misfiring a couple of years, especially in in South Australia and New South Wales in those sort of drought years. But in WA, we've been going well and been able to get um, yeah some solid results over the last few years, especially in the cropping phase. And look, we're, it's all about mitigating risk. Uh, and, and limiting risk in these systems. And I think that we're developing some tools with the modellers to be able to do this. For the croppers, are they showing some great nitrogen fixation benefits? Absolutely. So the, the benefits don't just stop there at, at nitrogen fixation. They go to disease break, to root lesion nematode. They don't They don't host root lesion nematodes. And then Probably we're picking it up best in the proteins, so we're getting increased proteins in wheat and barley yields. And how about for the livestock? Are you seeing good gains in biomass, or is it more about the quality of the plant that's better for livestock? Well, yeah, well for example, we've got this new bladder clover that's coming out at the end of this project, and it produces twice as much biomass and twice as much seed yield in the medium to low rainfall environment. So at field days, we're a bit concerned uh, and watching the the farmers walking around so they don't fill their pockets full of the seed after the day. So we've got a variety of different pasture legumes out there. I, as a farmer, I've selected a particular one that I'd like to sow. What's step one to preparing my paddock? Well, if you've selected it right, you should match your your species to your soil type. Um, You shouldn't have any... Um, SUs or chlorpyrrolid used in the last three years um, as that's detrimental to legume growth. It should be relatively weed free so that's really important in the respect of having a clean paddock because then you don't have to rely on post-emergent herbicides which are very um, sort of they can hold back your pasture potential in that year which is you know everything from biomass to seed production and and end fixation. And that's very important to to sort of figure out two or three years before that you want that paddock to go into pasture. And what time of year is best to have these pastures established? So to go hand in hand with the harvestability of these new pasture legumes, they've got to be able to be summer sown. And that means that they don't need to be processed and dehulled or scarified by a seed cleaner. Um, because that's you know an extra cost and an extra barrier to adoption. So once you've harvested it, you want to be able to 
just put it in your silo than sow it the next year. But if you want to sow it the next year, it's got to be done in February or March. And if it's not done in February or March, you've got to get it scarified if you're going to sow it at the break of the season. You just mentioned then about putting seed in to storage in silos. How do these hard-seeded plants go in storage? Yeah, so we've just had some exciting research that's just come out of uh, the Centre for Rhizobium Studies, and we got it published in Grass and Forage Science. So we've come across the storage effects on hard seed, which is uh, very exciting in the respect of there's certain cultivars or species of pasture legumes that just don't have the hard seed breakdown that's sort of viable for summer sowing. So say something like Toreador Medic, you can put that in the silo, store it for a number of years, pull it out, sow it in February or March, and it actually mimics the summer sowing effects. So this has sort of opened the door to all the pasture legumes that's ever been released, which is quite exciting. That's a pretty exciting discovery. What are the next steps to finding more out? What are you hoping to learn more about, like whether it can be safely grazed? Are there any side effects on meat quality? Um, are, there, are there aspects that you're researching? Yeah, so with CSIRO on board, we've had the ability to be able to set up some grazing trials and we've got a very good animal scientist called Haley Norman at, at CSIRO who's sort of steered us in the right direction for choosing the right pasture legumes. And then she's sort of the gatekeeper for getting it through to see if these pasture legumes have any meat taint um, to the ruminant or if they have any detrimental effects to the sheep or the cattle. So she can do that by taking cuts and put processing it through her wet chemistry lab or um, we actually do some proper ground truthing and have the, the sheep actually eating these pasture legumes as well and then measuring different blood biochemistry on top of that. For adoption of on-farm research and these trials, it'll be very important to make sure that these seeds are available uh, to producers. Is this part of the project that's being considered so they can be adopted widespread? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So they've got to be able to go across a, a heap of different soil types and, and they've got to yeah be quite malleable to be able to fit into a farming system. And that's that's due to the fact that you know, farmers have got to have the, the ability to be able to have a one-size-fits-all for certain areas of their farm, and I think that's important, especially for adoption. We don't want to get into too niche of an area, um, so, yeah, we, that's why the extensive research has occurred to assess if these pasture legumes can go over multiple soil types. And finally, I can see that you're very passionate about plants. What are you most excited for about the outcomes of this project? Oh, that's a good question. Possibly the fact that, yeah, more legumes are going into the system for, especially in these mixed farming enterprises. And I think that that's key to driving a lot of different systems like your nitrogen inputs, your carbon inputs. Um, It's just doing great things for soil microbiology and soil metagenomics. And then on top of that, the farmers are making profit out of it. um, And that's the best outcome that we could ask for. Robert Harrison there from Murdoch University. Excitingly, 2021 is the final growing season of this project. So once all this data has been collected, there'll be a focus on the commercialisation of these species for adoption on farms across Australia. It's an across-industry project with input from government agencies, grower groups, agronomists, 
industry research bodies, including universities, and is a great example of what can be achieved when we all work together towards a common goal. That's all for this week on The Yarn. AWI are on Facebook, on Twitter at Wool Innovation and Instagram at Australian Wool. I'm Ellie Bigwood. Thanks for your company and catch you soon for another yarn. Yarn.